Hi everyone! Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast. My name is Jill and I'm the host and creator of this podcast. On today's episode, I got to talk to Melissa Marquez, who is a PhD student studying Kendrickians. Melissa is super cool and I first found out about her from her TED Talk, which I highly suggest you check out. Let's jump right in with Melissa to hear her talk about all the amazing things she's doing and a pretty cool encounter she had that surprisingly wasn't with a shark. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the Water Women podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. How about you start out and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a marine biologist who studies chondrichthians, also known as sharks, skates, rays, and chimeras. Uh, I'm currently doing my PhD at Curtin University over in Western Australia in Perth. And there I'm not only studying the habitat use of sharks and their relatives, so figuring out why they are where they are, but I'm also looking at our relationship with these animals, so figuring out how we've gone from seeing them as heroes and tricksters to now kind of demonizing them and how our portrayal of these animals actually sways conservation initiatives in a good way or a bad way. That is so cool. Yeah, I find it quite interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I find it quite interesting. (laughs) Did you always know you wanted to do something within marine biology or did this come later on? I've always said ever since I was a little girl that I wanted to be a marine biologist. It wasn't until I was about like seven years old that I said I was going to be a marine biologist who studied sharks. (laughs) Wow, you knew young. Yeah, I knew very, very young. They, I don't know, there's just something about them. They're just so special and they're so charismatic. Uh, I absolutely love them. And how did you get into it? Like, how did you go about finding how you could study sharks like where did you go to school what did you do to specialize yeah so you know the funny thing is is there was a lot of googling (laughs) um because even just a few years ago there wasn't that much information about uh how to become a shark scientist let alone that much reputable information uh and so i did my I graduated high school in Florida, Orlando, Florida, uh, and I decided to go to New College of Florida in Sarasota. Uh, And the reason why I chose that school is, A, they didn't have grades, um, which I really liked, not just because, like, I was, like, a bad student or anything like that, but they more focused on giving you a written evaluation, seeing you progress over the semester than just saying, oh, you've passed X amount of tests, this is why you get this grade. Like, it really was more in-depth. Um, So I really enjoyed that. But also we had the month of January uh, away from classes and we called it independent student project time. So you came up with your own projects to uh, apply yourself to. And essentially that would lead up to a senior thesis. And so we what I did with New College was I actually did the Bimini Biological Field Station. So the Bimini Shark Lab, that was my first ISP. Uh, The second one I did with Oceans Research over in South Africa, doing work with great white sharks. Uh, And then the third one I ended up doing um, about Florida scrub jays, but that was more so I could learn about GIS uh, and how to utilize that. And so, yeah, once I graduated from there with a pretty good, not only pretty good 
grasp of what it was that I wanted to study in sharks when it came for my master's and my PhD. But I also had some skills that a lot of people my age had a hard time coming by uh, because I was able to do these things. And so it put me in a really good position uh, for my master's degree, which I then moved over to this side of the world where I am now uh, in New Zealand. And I did a master's on deep sea fisheries, uh, specifically looking at chimeras and their habitat use. And then I moved over to Australia because I was like, oh, I don't want to go home just yet. And I've always wanted to live in Australia. And so here I am doing the PhD. I love that. It is so funny that you mentioned the Bimini thing because my school actually has a like field course where you can go do the um, go down with their one of our profs and go work at the Bimini Shark Center. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's quite a few like that. And I absolutely love that about um, Bimini and a bunch of other of those kind of um, organizations and labs that allow people, even while they're in uni, to actually get some hands-on experience because it's so important. It, it really is. Like going into anything after your undergrad and being able to say, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing kind of in the field is so helpful and mm-hmm. Very nice. Kind of makes you feel like you're floundering a little bit less. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Still floundering, but a little bit less. <laughs> I know how to kick. I don't know what else I'm doing, but I know how to kick. I'm staying kind exactly. of Exactly. <laughs> so I actually stumbled across you when I came across your TED Talk. Your TED Talk was kind of one of the reasons I did one. I was like kind of like teetering on the idea and like working on it, watching some TED Talks about like my topic and I stumbled across yours and it, like talking about it. I was like, okay, no, I'm I'm applying for this now. Like I'm doing it. Oh, you've just made my day. Thank you. I clicked on it because I originally thought it's titled what uh, like female sharks and scientists, like what we have in common. And I originally was like, oh, it's going to be a biology based TED Talk. Like I'm going to almost learn something new, which I did. But it also focuses and talks a lot about being a woman in science, and specifically you being a Latina. Why did you feel that was an important thing to share? Like, why did you give this TED Talk? Yeah, uh, basically for me, the TED Talk, uh, I found it really important because, and I mean, this isn't just for shark science. uh, It's for a lot of the wildlife sciences. When you turn on the media, like be it social media, be it on the TV, be it in the news, Usually when you see people being interviewed for, in this case, shark science, uh, it's usually a man who is being interviewed. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, You know, there's plenty of men in the field, but you very rarely see a woman shark scientist being interviewed. And as I said, I've wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to be a shark scientist since I was very, very young. But always in the back of my head, I was like, I don't see myself there. I don't see many women. I don't see any women is it possible that I can even do this? Uh, I'm a very big proponent of you can't be what you can't see. And so for me, this was kind of a way of being like, look, I'm we're here. Like there are a ton of female scientists uh, who study sharks. And towards the end of the TED Talk, actually, um, during the last lines that I have, I actually put up a picture of all of my call, like a lot of my colleagues uh, who are scientists who study sharks, rays, stingrays, chimeras. Um, and they kind of like almost stood behind me in a way with their photos behind me being like, look, we're here. We're doing really important work. So even though the media doesn't see us, we are still here. Um, 
And to take it a step further, it's very rare to see Latina scientists uh, kind of take a stage presence. And so for me, it was really important, not only just for females to see themselves in a shark science setting or a science setting, but also Latinas, because there is quite a lot of cultural pressure still today, uh, depending where you are, to stay at home, to be a homemaker and that basically be it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for a lot of us, that's not the only thing that we want. You know, I do want to have kids. I do want to have a family. I do want to be at home and whatnot. But I'm also a shark scientist. I love what I do and I can't ever see myself giving it up. Um, So it was almost a way of being like, look, you can have the best of both worlds um, if that's what you want. Well, you definitely got that message across and it was very inspiring for sure. Like it, like I said, I was teetering on the edge of like writing my own TED talk and applying for it. And then I watched that one and you had, there was something you said about like, we are here. And I was like, I want to give this presence to any younger girls watching from my standpoint, like anyone that wants to do it, know that you can do it. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about platforms like TED, that they do allow this spreading of ideas from quote-unquote common folk. You know, you don't have to be a celebrity to get your point across um, or or to even, you know, have that stage presence. And I think that's awesome. There was also one specific line of yours that stuck with me, and it was the one where you said you were more worried about what you about what people thought of your clothes when you were going on stage than what you were saying. And it really hit home because I was the same thing before my TED talk. I had like three different outfits and I was like, I don't know which one I should wear. And then I was like, that doesn't matter. That's not what I'm here to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 those little things. Um, and you know what? It's funny because I'm going to have another TED talk uh, this upcoming month in March and I'm still thinking the same thing of, oh my God, what am I going to wear? But this time I'm a little bit more confident of like, look, no matter what it is that I wear, what actually matters is the message. I know that's what people are going to resonate more with than the initial, oh, look at what she's wearing. I came off mine and I missed a couple small talking points and I had like a little bit of where I messed up and I was like, I got my main message across and I'm so excited that I got to just share that message. Yeah, you know, it's funny because so when I watch the TED Talk now um, on YouTube, for those people who like really, really know me, they can actually tell how much of not so much stage fright, but like just, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. And then they kind of like, there's a point where I kind of get into my groove. I know I felt it. And you can very much, again, if you know me, you can see it. Um, but to like the naked eye, it kind of is like, oh yeah, she's just giving a TED talk. There we go. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things of like, you know, it's never going to be perfect. Uh, for me, again, for that TED talk, the last bit, I actually thought I was going to start crying and that had never happened. Uh, like in any of the dress rehearsals, even that earlier day we had done a dress rehearsal no not not no emotion but like it wasn't like that and it wasn't until there that like it hit me and I was like Melissa do not cry this is gonna be on YouTube and it will never leave the internet (laughs) um it's one of those things like you know it's it's never gonna be the perfect version in your head that you want it to come out with but it's gonna be perfect for whoever needs to hear the message
Oh, I love that. That's a perfect way of phrasing that. Now, back to the sharks a little bit. You also helped start the Finns United Initiative. I did. So what is that and what do you want to accomplish with it? Tell me all about it. Yeah, so when I was in Sarasota, uh, we have Sarasota Bay that's essentially our backyard. And even though a lot of people go out to the beaches and they go out in the boats, they don't actually know the sharks that are there. Like, I was very surprised by that. And so uh, I was in a class at a time, which I guess you can kind of call now a science communication class. Uh, And the teacher kind of encouraged me to fix that problem in a way. And so I first started with like this little guidebook of the, I think I called it the shark skates and rays of Sarasota Bay. And it was a self-published book and I got it out to like a few fishermen and whatnot. And then I realized, you know, good, that's one way to tackle the problem. But the other way to tackle the problem is just go to the schools and educate the kids who are asking their parents to take them to the beach and whatnot about the animals that are there. And so that same teacher had some teacher connections. Uh, I met with one and he took a chance on me. I went into the classroom and from there, he essentially, he liked it. He liked what I was doing. He liked my message and he suggested I go uh, to a few of his other teacher friends. And it kind of just grew and grew and grew. And as I went back to back and forth from uni and back home, uh, I got more and more teacher friends, um, both from teachers that I used to have to teachers my younger brother had. And it kind of just grew from a tiny little thing in Sarasota, which is why I called it back then Sarasota Fins, to now Fins United, which is a bit more global. And so the message for me and the mission for me with uh, Fins United is to showcase the diverse chondrichthians, so those sharks, those skates, those rays and chimeras that you normally don't see on TV as well as the diverse people who work with these animals. So not just the scientists and the grad students, but the photographers, the authors, uh, the videographers, um, the curators, and show people the diverse kind of job fields that are out there that can allow you to work with these kind of animals. Um, And also just the uniqueness of every single animal that is out there. Uh, So my goal kind of, for Finns United uh, isn't 100% concrete yet, but I would really like it to uh, have like a shark research and outreach education center, like an actual physical base uh, where the local community can come learn about the animals in their area um, and not just have scientists from out of the country or out of the region come do science about these animals, but them themselves actually help out through like citizen science. Uh, and make it a really collaborative, community-driven project and center. That is such an awesome idea. Well, wow. here's hoping I can pull it off. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's coming. I don't doubt it a little bit. But it's really amazing to know that, like, you're not just going out to, like, here are the sharks. If you're, like, actually educating and you never know who you're going to inspire with that, like, you could convince some other little girl to become the next shark scientist. Yeah. And, you know, my goal isn't to make people love sharks because, you know what, there is a fear of sharks. There will always be a fear of sharks. Um, But I want to at least foster a sense of respect of, okay, you know what, this is their ocean too. This this is their ocean first. Um, That is their home and we should 
be respectful and mindful of that. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting everyone to be as big of a shark lover as I am because it's pretty high up there. Um, but if someone walks out being like, oh, you know what? That's a really cool shark fact. I didn't know about that. Or, you, or they just look at sharks a little bit differently. I think I've done my job well. That's great. Cause sharks do get a pretty bad rap. So well, they have a horrible kinda... rap. <laughs> horrible <laughs> rap. <laughs> it's nice that you're combating that and being like, they're not as bad. They're not that scary. I mean, there is a fear, but. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, a lot of people joke with me saying that essentially my job is to be like a sh- shark PR manager. And I was like, yeah, actually, very true. <laughs> that's so funny. That's per- that's a perfect way to describe it. Exactly. Well, you've gotten to do some pretty cool things with sharks yourselves. You got to go diving with some quite often. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know what? It- it's funny because I remember the first time I dove and got to see a shark And my reaction then is the same exact reaction I have every single time now, which is like squealing through my regulator being like, yes, shark. (laughs) I love that. That's my reaction whenever I see a whale. So we are kindred spirits in that sense of just getting excited every single time. Oh, heck yes. Heck yes. Oh, whales are amazing. Oh, I love them. It's just the same things with sharks. I haven't got to see as many sharks as I have whales, but like every time I see one or the other, I'm like, I can't believe I'm getting a chance to see you. This is amazing. I'm so happy I can go home and be happy now. It's, you know what? It's so funny to me how transformative an interaction with one of these animals is. Um, You know, something that I think a lot of people take for granted is that going to the ocean, even though for many people like, it doesn't cost that much. There still is a cost to it and it can be quite expensive. Um, you know, some people, they don't have the luxury to buy a snorkel kit, you know, a mask and fins or even just a mask. Um, and so for a lot of people, they don't get to see what's underwater and they just see the ocean as this vast blue, emptiness when if you actually get your head underwater for long enough there's a whole other world down there that is so special and so unique and unlike anything else that we have on the planet and so part of what I want to do with Finns United as well is to introduce people to these animals Um, because again it's one of those things of there's two things that I really believe is you can't be what you can't see and you can't care about what you don't see. And if you don't see sharks in their own setting outside of the hyped up media of, oh, they're these man eating monsters and they're out for your blood. No, if you actually see them out in the ocean swimming gracefully, I think it really changes how people see sharks because they're like, wait a minute, I'm right here and they're not going for me. Um, Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, Amazing. Amazing. People don't think that sharks are curious, but they really are. They really, really are. Um, You know, they just want to know what the heck we are and why we're making so much noise with our bubbles. They are like such cool animals. And I give fish and chondrichthians a really hard time because I'm a whale girl, but I do think they're pretty cool. I mean, to be fair, like, I understand because, you know, sharks sometimes eat whales, so I get it. Um, but yeah, you know, they're they're amazing animals. Um, any animal in the wild is absolutely amazing. Uh, but my one tip for people whenever they get into the water with any kind of wild animal uh, is just to remember it is a wild animal. Uh, so give it sp- space, respect its space, 
um, and then you should be fine. Absolutely. It's always important to remember that, like, we're going into their home. So, like, to be chasing the animals is a little crazy in my mind. Like, just let them come to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, just let them come to you. Now, back to diving with sharks a little bit, because you have one of the coolest stories I've ever heard about diving with sharks. Cool, but also completely terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us that story and what happened? What happened? Um, Oh, man, this story. So for those who don't know, uh, I was really lucky that for the past two years, uh, I've worked with Shark Week on specials. And my first special with Shark Week was in Cuba, uh, working with Dr. Tristan Gutridge in locating a large female hammerhead shark that in Cuba is known as uh, La Reina or the Queen, essentially. And so while we were looking for the Queen, uh, we decided to do a night dive because sometimes uh, sharks hunt during the night. And we ran across a American out or American crocodile. And so the crocodile was about 10 feet long or three meters and stuck around us for a little bit. We got to film it. We got to see it in its natural habitat. It was amazing. I was slightly crapping my pants because I was like, holy crap, this is huge. And then it left. And so my headset had actually been acting up during that dive. And so I really couldn't hear what people were saying, but I assumed that they could hear what I was saying. Uh, And that turned out not to be the case when I later on, as we were all like coming up because the dive had finished, uh, I got bitten by said American crocodile and dragged backwards and away from the camera crew and away from the lights. Uh, So, it was doing what sharks actually do too, which is called an exploratory bite. So it's trying to figure out what the heck I am. It's I kind of liken it to if you get home, you smell something really good, and you see on the kitchen table there's a plate of cookies. And you can't tell if they're oatmeal raisin, which you hate, or if they're chocolate chip cookies, which you love. And so usually when you're trying to taste something, you take like a tiny little nibble of it to see if it's what you like. And that's essentially what it was trying to do. The only problem is, is that with teeth of a crocodile or teeth of a shark, they're very sharp. They're designed for a purpose, and that purpose isn't us. It's for their intended prey. And so those teeth can go through shells, through bones, through muscle, through blubber. Uh, And if you see how easily we bleed after a paper cut, you know that their teeth can really, really hurt us. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's essentially what ended up happening. It took a little bite of me being like, what the heck is this? It realized I was an oatmeal raisin cookie and then it spat me out because it just couldn't handle the spiciness of this Mexican. Yeah, I I got really, really lucky. Um, You know, in my head, somehow I was able to stay calm uh, and I went through kind of like, all right, this is definitely a crocodile that's got me. Don't move your leg. Hopefully it'll like, it'll let you go. Uh, look around in the water for like a rock or something like that, or a stick to like hold on to, or worse comes to worse, pry your leg out of. Um, it, it Time really slowed down for me, uh, but it really only was like less than maybe 30 seconds. Uh, and I popped back up and you get to see the aftermath essentially on that show. Um, again, I don't blame the crocodile. It was doing what crocodiles do. Uh, You know, it was in its own habitat. It was just 
a freak accident that could have happened to anybody. It just happened to happen to me. Um, we, we had all of the safety precautions in play, but freak accidents happen. And that was that. That is unbelievable that that happened to you. Like, that's unreal. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where for me, so now it's, it'll be two years. Yeah, two years in May, April, May, that this would have happened. Um, And sometimes to me, it kind of feels unreal. And the only indication that it actually happened is the scars I have, Um, which they're not bad at all. Like I show them to people and they're like, is that it? And I'm like, yeah. Um, And that's the only indication. So even to me, it kind of feels like another lifetime or like it didn't actually happen. Uh, But a lot of people find it funny that, I work with sharks and I didn't get bit by a shark. I got bit by a crocodile. Everyone's like, oh, have you ever been bit? And I'm like, not by a shark. And they're like, what? And they think I'm going to say like a seal or maybe a fish or something. And then I say that and they're like, huh, wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Well, like you don't think of like crocodiles and sharks sharing the same habitat, really. Like when I think of crocs, I think of like in like estuaries or rivers in Florida, but never like in where sharks are going to be. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But, you know, it's interesting because, like, Australia, here where I live now, uh, there are photos of sharks and crocodiles sharing the same area. And and for people, it really boggles their mind of these two apex predators kind of coinciding together. Uh, And, you know, yeah, sometimes they do go after one another. Uh, So far from what I've seen, it seems like the the crocodiles are winning oh no um, but yeah you, you know what I gotta give it to them they're a very worthy opponent so if you could tell any everyone one like super cool shark fact what would it be like what's something super cool about them Ooh, <laughs> I think my favorite one to kind of boggle people's minds with is the fact that there's over 500 species of shark so far yeah yeah there's over 500 species of sharks and on average so it's not the norm but on average total average uh we're discovering a new species about every two weeks whoa i didn't even know that yeah it's one of those things of like a lot of people like when you say shark what do you automatically think of like what species do you automatically think of great white Yep. Yep. So most people think of great white sharks, bull sharks, uh, hammerheads or tiger sharks, the very sharky looking sharks. Yeah. And I love showing them like a picture of an epaulette shark for those people who don't know. It's a very small shark that has like these wide little pectoral fins, the side fins. It's adorable. Look it up. If you look up walking shark, you'll find it. They're so cute. And then when you show them to a person, you're like, this is a shark. They're like, what? That's adorable. (laughs) How is that a shark? And I'm like, exactly. And that's one of the things that I'm interested of. And actually that I'm going to be looking at into for my PhD is how different sharks pr- have like different reactions for people. Because when you think of shark, you think of those sharky looking sharks that aren't very cute and cuddly. Whereas if we can kind of change the idea of what a shark looks like to encompass this wide variety of sharks, I think people will have a little bit easier of a time with these animals. Oh, absolutely. It makes it a little bit easier to be like, hey, they're not all 
super terrifying. Yeah, exactly. If you could talk to a young girl right now thinking about going into sciences, what would you tell her? Like, what would be your, like, yes, go for it speech? Yeah, I think it would be if this is something that you truly love, stick with it. It's going to be hard. It can sometimes be lonely. There will be people who will doubt you. But if you love this, stick with it. Because, no, it's it's not going to make you rich. I will tell you that right now. No science job will really make you rich. But you're going to have something that a lot of people I see not have, which is truly enjoy their job. I go into my office every day with a smile on my face because I love what I do. Truly, truly love what I do. And there's a lot of people that don't have that. And, you know, whatever they've chosen, that's fine. But I don't have a doubt in my mind that I chose right because I am so passionate about what I do. And I love it so much that to me, it doesn't even feel like work. It just feels like an amazing opportunity that I get to live out every day. I think that is excellent advice. And it's something to almost live by in the STEM field, because it's so important to remember that like, there's going to be days when you feel like quitting, but you, you're doing this because you want to, and you got to keep going. Exactly, exactly. And it's one of those things as well, like, I rem- for me, especially, um, or any really marine biologist, uh, a lot of things that we hear about from either our friends or from older people is like, Oh, I wanted to be a marine biologist once. And you're like, well, why didn't you do it? And they were like, Oh, because this or that or life happened. And it's like, I get to live out that dream. And yeah, and not everyone gets to do that. Um, and I'm really lucky. I don't, I don't take that for granted whatsoever. I'm really lucky that I get out to live, to live out my dream. Uh, Cause a lot of people don't do that. There's always going to be those doubters uh, you know, it is one of those things that I'll, I think a lot of people think of my marine biology as being like dolphin trainers or orca trainers or working with sharks. And, you know, there's other avenues of that. It's a very small percentage of the people who get to work with these animals. So, yeah, have realistic expectations and whatnot. Like, don't think um, that's all you're ever going to do. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you're always on the boat. And I'm like, no, I haven't been on a boat in a while. <laughs> I'm sitting at my computer screen a lot, writing a lot of things. Um, But I think it's one of those things of just because someone says something doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's one of the things that I love um, that my grandfather and my mom have actually taught me is when someone gives you a piece of advice, you either take it, you modify it, or you reject it. Uh, And so I think you have to take that, those kind of comments with a grain of salt. And you either take it, you modify it, or you reject it. The one thing I'd like to say is that if anyone who's listening has an appreciation for the ocean, let it be known. Um, Our oceans need our help right now. Um, A lot of places in the world, ocean health is going down. And so I think... We need to be kind to not just our planet, but especially our oceans, uh, because they kind of are the lungs of our planet. And so if you love the ocean, 
talk to people about it. Tell them what you love about them. Bring people to the beach. Um, spend a day rock pooling or snorkeling or doing something in the ocean that you absolutely love. Uh, and before you leave, maybe help clean it up a little bit. Uh, if every one of us does our part to kind of be a little bit kinder to our planet, I think we're going to leave this place better than when we got here. I think that is absolutely fantastic advice. And I wish everybody in the world could hear that. So is there any place that people can find you on social media that you'd like them to follow or like the Finns Initiative, like any social medias you want to share? Yeah, so for Finns United Initiative, you can just look us up on Google uh, and our website will pop up and that will actually lead you to our Facebook page, our Twitter account, our Instagram. Uh, for me personally, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, Twitter is at MCMSharksXX and Instagram is literally my full name, so at Melissa Christina Marquez. I've also got a website where you can learn a little bit more about me and what I do, uh, and that has direct links uh, to all the stuff that I am on. And definitely go check that out because Melissa is quite cool. And I'm hopefully going to visit a couple friends in Perth, so I'll look you up when I'm there. Oh, heck yes, please do. That would be amazing. Well, I'm so excited that I got the chance to talk to you today. It was fantastic. Thank you again so, so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. It was so fun having Melissa on today to talk. You should follow Melissa on all her social medias and check out her TED Talk, which will be listed in the show description. As always, you can find the Water Women podcast on all social medias, on Facebook at the Water Women podcast, Instagram at the Water Women podcast, and on Twitter at the Water Women pod. Until next time, stay salty.